Hey guys, this is Charles and Eric. So today we are, uh, so we have a couple disclaimers for you real quick. So um, almost everything we talk about tonight, it's going to be a little bit of a, a spoiler alert. Uh, so we're going to make sure to check the uh, description for timestamps uh, to check when we spoil what. And we will tell you when you can skip over and get to the next section if you don't want to hear anything like that at all. Um, also, um, we do notice that we, uh, our first session, we had a little bit of an echo, but we're fixing it. Um, and so hopefully this time around, it sounds a lot better. So at least we think we've got it figured out. So <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, today, Charles, what's our, what's our topic today? So, uh, our topic today is, uh, favorite adventures, you know, is, uh, nerds, um, between video games and, uh, and sucking yourself into a good book or, uh, or just a TV show or eat. The big one, definitely video games. They mm -hmm. they really just take you on in a whole new adventure, and it's and uh, pretty so, much a new adventure every time. Even for video games, especially video games. I mean, so many have so many different options for you know paths to take, what order you do things in. Some and in some, it completely changes the ending of the story. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, I've definitely played a couple games where I go through the whole thing, and then someone says, "Oh, you didn't even get this ending. You need to play the whole thing over and make a different choice." No, I totally get that one, <laughs> without a doubt. So, um, let's start with you. What do you got for your uh, favorite adventure here? Uh, well, I decided to start with a game. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite games in the last few years. Uh, it was actually the game of the year for 2018, and I, so I think most everybody knows what that's going to be. That's uh, God of War. Uh, and I'll, obviously everybody knows that God of War has a pretty, pretty lengthy history going back to the PlayStation 2, uh, kind of... The, its early days, and at that point in time, it was pretty much just a mindless beat 'em up. At that point, um, we it did have story, and it was at least interesting, and kept you engaged for that uh, for that beat 'em up style of just uh, hack, hack and slash, slash and, <laughs> exactly. And, and whatnot. But um, uh, the, the new one, God of War Four, definitely took a new twist on it. Uh, Charles, have you played any of it at all? I have not. I have not touched the God of War series. I've done, I've seen a lot of. Uh, seen all the trailers and i've seen a lot of playthroughs but i've not actually touched the game myself no, well, that's, that's something you're gonna have to change that's a really good series <laughs> and even if you just start with the, the, the most recent one from last year on the playstation 4 it's fantastic so, you don't really need to go back and play them you get tidbits of like throwbacks to the store to the stories in the previous game as you go along and none of it none of it's really none of that knowledge is particularly just relevant to the storyline for what you're going through, as long as you kind of get the gist of what Kratos' experience has been. Okay. Which it does kind of give you with, you know, some different, uh, in different parts of the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's just a great game and it's a lot of fun to play. Um, it was definitely one of those games that actually sucked me in, uh, and made me finish it from, because I am very I am notorious for not finishing my games. <laughs> so yeah, you know those it, those big open world games. There's just so much to do, and there's so 
they're so exploratory and so exciting that you just you want to keep going and then and then at one at certain points you just get tired of it and you're like oh, yeah. i just i just want to move on to something but, else i'm drained yeah, I'm, I'm terrible about it just because <laughs> <laughs> i've bought skyrim probably uh, <laughs> four times <'cause laughs> i i bought it i bought it on the playstation 3 when it came out okay uh i bought it on the playstation 4 when it was released for the playstation 4 yep, the remaster yeah i bought it for the switch when it came oh, out goodness. on the switch so i could play it portably okay and we bought uh, it came with our VR, with our PlayStation VR headset. Oh my so goodness! I bought, I bought Skyrim four, technically five times because I bought two copies for the PlayStation Four for me and my fiance. Oh my goodness! And, uh, <laughs> so I technically bought it five times, but I've never finished it. You haven't bought it for your fridge yet. I have not bought it for my fridge yet. I'm, I'm hoping, it to, hoping it comes to a whirlpool at some point. Oh, okay, but, well, but you know, uh, but yeah, no, I've I've actually never finished the storyline for Skyrim. So, okay, so you've never uh, spoiler alert. You've never touched Parthenax before? Nope. Oh my goodness. Nope. Oh, I've gotten real man. close, but but I, but by that point in time, I've done so many side quests with my character, I get bored of my character, and so then I start a new character. See, I, I I've started so many characters, <laughs> and I, and then I'll I'll play them and get them really strong, and then I'll get bored of them, and then I'll start over. See, see for me for me with Skyrim, there's nothing more exhilarating than being able to one shot a giant with a bow i just there's nothing more exciting to me it just it was it's so satisfying okay so back to god of war We're, we've gone down a bunny trail we, 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 did, <laughs> we did kind of go down that rabbit hole that's, yeah and that's a whole that's, that's a whole that's a whole podcast episode that's a whole of <laughs> so okay so god of war okay so what really what what about it drug you into it i know that it's an amazing adventure game and it and it really it it's exciting and thrilling and invigorating but what drug you into it as a player? Initially, uh, at least back in the day, in the, during the first God for the first game, it was the 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 connection to mythology. Okay, I'm a sucker for <laughs> for mythologies, really of any sort, and that'll tie back into my uh, my pick for later in the episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, as Charles well knows, but, uh, uh, no, it was mostly. It starts as the um, the draw from the mythology. I, I love Greek mythology, which is you know what God of War is based in initially. And I love Norse mythology, maybe, maybe not to the same extent, but the storytelling for the most recent God of War, I think, was by far the best it's ever been in the series. That's good, and and, and that shows a huge evolution. And I, and I love kind of the evolution of God of War as a game, as well as Kratos as a character and they, they kind of mirror each other a little bit. Um, I mean, you have, you know, Kratos in the first game, he's just kind of this really angry, uh, you know, he's, he's almost on the verge of evil at times. You know, he's he, just, got that. he has no mercy for anybody. If they're in his way, even if you just, you know, mm -hmm. accidentally tripped in front of him, <laughs> you're not, you're not safe. So he's got that anti-hero feel too. He definitely kind of has an anti-hero feel, and he's all filled by rage, which is understandable as you get deeper into the first game story. <laughs> you obviously learn uh, why, why he's <laughs> angry, and you can't blame him. So he has the right to be angry. He definitely has the right to be angry. And, but I, I love kind of the, the progression of the games as game, and Kratos as a character definitely mirror each other because you have angry Kratos. And you just have this just glorified hack and slash. You're just murdering things, ripping things in half, tearing wings off of harpies and smashing their heads. And it's and yeah, you get story. 
but, <laughs> but mostly it's just the, it's it's just and kind some, of the setting and, and some story here and and, and blood and gore and and that's fine and that's all it was really trying to be but and as it's gone on we've gotten better storytelling along with gameplay that almost matches that kind of calmingness that Kratos has slowly experienced he's grown and you see it in the culmination of this most recent game where you know he is now no longer the I'm going to burn everything to the ground <laughs> mentality to you know I just I, I just want to you know scatter my wife's ashes and and go home <laughs> and and then he just gets dragged into this whole thing and uh but it's it's definitely it's definitely a breath of fresh air and I I love this game it was just amazing the visuals were great the gameplay was great the combat was completely different so, so here's a question for you. So, as a as a person who's played lots of um, open world games and uh, MORPGs and just RPGs in general, um, how does it game mechanic wise? How does it feel to at least from my perspective, what I've seen so far? How does it feel to have a at least somewhat um, uh, intelligent AI um, that you can that you can be with? How does that? How does that in the gameplay? How does that come out? Well, initially when I knew kind of what Atreus was going to be as part of the game, I was a little skeptical <laughs> because, I mean, we've all had, we've all played the games where there's an AI character that follows you around who is, may or may not be. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's Ashley from the Resident Evil series. Oh, right. I was like Resident Evil 4, maybe. I, there was a point in one of the Resident Evil games you have the president's daughter, Ashley, following you around for a good chunk of it, and she's absolutely and, and it's just obnoxious. But, you know, Atreus, they, they definitely did really good with Atreus because, one, he feels like you're almost like your teammate more so than your burden because you don't really have to protect him. And, you know, he, you know, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife for you with his different types of arrows allowing you to access different parts of the, of the areas to find the secrets and as well as to kind of uh, help you out in, in combat. And... Uh, you know, by stunning things, by he can even you know kill things on his own. And then, I definitely love the the moments in the kind of in the cinematic bits whenever you have won a fight, and it goes into that you know cinematic clip of them finishing the fight. And there's there's one fight that's just like this the 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 spoiler the when you fight Balder towards the end of the or towards the end of the game uh, when you finish off Balder, Atreus is just beast. And but you could because you completely see his growth throughout the story from you know just the the inexperienced kid to you know now you know he's found out he is part god he is part giant <laughs> he's you know actually has abilities and power and he's embraced those and he's come to terms with himself yeah and, and he so it so Atreus is definitely a, a really a breath of fresh air in that regard from being a smart AI that accompanies you wonder. that's good to hear and i know that's a really big change for a lot of games in general just that that you have to deal with it just you don't have the choice this is what you're gonna do it with but i i from what i've seen and what i'm hearing from you it feels like sony uh did a, a great job as developing the ai to not just be some random counterpart that you've got to deal with he's he's a an intellectual AI that you can fully see develop and really function with in tandem. And I really, I really like it. I think that they, that I'm really glad that they were able to pull that through. 
Um, so that that's definitely I'm definitely going to be looking forward to playing this, and I'm really excited to be able to see that. I'll have to, I'll have to let you borrow it. Oh, sweet! There you blast. go. I mean, I've I've now got a, a Sekiro Shadows Die twice at least yesterday. Oh and, yeah, uh, that's <laughs> probably going to eat up some of my time, and that was a lot of fun too. <laughs> Very reminiscent of of the new God of War, but you know, also with Dark Souls thrown in. It's pretty fun so far from what I've played. But we'll get, well, we can talk about that later. Um, but yeah, so you know, God of War, great game. Definitely recommend it for those who haven't played it. Um, if you guys are still with us, if you didn't skip away from spoilers. Um, but hopefully we didn't spoil too terribly much here. I mean, we gave a little bit, but none of it's super consequential, I would say. But yeah. um, but uh, before we kind of move on to, to our next topic here, I do have one fun, one bit of fun fact that I, that I love... Because uh, I, I just realized I realized it on my own uh, not too long ago because I was starting to rewatch uh, the Star Wars The Clone Wars series on Netflix. And I love that series. But uh, I realized there was a point, an episode that was really Mace Windu heavy. And I was listening to his voice. And I was like, who, who is that voice? So I was thinking, and it finally came to me. It's the original Kratos' voice. Really? Yep. Oh, Mace the, oh my goodness! That energy. I was like, that's, I was like, so that's cool. awesome. I, I I love making those kind of connections. So so Mace Mace Windu Star Wars Clone Wars is the same voice as the original Kratos voice. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, that's that's a really neat that's a really neat call out. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, all right. Well, so I'm I think that kind of wraps up my topic there for God of War. Uh, all right, Charles. So for our next adventure, what is uh? What is your what is your pick? So so I my next pick is I I got I have this this love for this TV show and I have this incredible incredible passion for it that um, ABC um, did and well it started out with touch Touchstone Television but lost love the show it takes you on this absolutely incredible adventure through with these characters and I absolutely love it. Well, we're kind of we're kind of gonna leave out the last season. So, <laughs> spoiler alert: don't watch the last season because uh, it you kind know, of there's, there's, there's a few TV series out there that are kind of like that, where it's like the last season just kind of you need to well, forget about it and, you, and you, you just stop there. <laughs> well, but, you need the closure though; you need it so much. But it was just not worth it. It was I was like, it was the it it actually was the the least the least viewed season out of the entire show. Really? It's yeah, no, it fluctuated for the first three seasons, and then ABC took over after the third season, and the fourth season was okay, and then fifth and sixth it just went right downhill. As soon as ABC took control of it, it just it kind of was starting going downhill. But so. yeah, I don't know a whole lot about Lost. Most I know is a smoke monster. That's about all yeah, I know yeah. about Lost <laughs> because they make jokes about it on just about every you know cable TV show that you can yeah. think of. But uh, yeah. all right, so then. So what is it about Lost? What what drew you into Lost, and what what held your attention until those last two seasons? Okay, so what drew me into Lost originally was my wife. <laughs> there was no way that I was that's, ever going to watch. That's it. fair. I'm that's being fair. honest. It was 100 my wife. I, she she got me hooked on it, and but after that, after the first couple episodes, I really really started getting into it. It's just one of those where um, there's okay, quick plot summary for the first season. Okay, bunch of people crash land an island. Okay, I knew that much. Okay, you know that. <laughs> I'm following you, there. you got me there. Okay, so a bunch of people crash on an island. 
And then they, they start, a lot of mysterious stuff happens on this island. Crazy smoke monster, these beings that you can't see quite well, things start to happen. And it, it, it is, it is all over the place. You have a pregnant chick, you've got, you've got this couple that doesn't speak English, you've got this, you've got your resident old white guy, you've got, so you've got, you've got a, you've got a really big variety of characters that are all crash landed on this island and they're all, they've, they've got to deal with it. And it's, it's just, a, it really pulls you in from the first episode. And the, the pilot alone just, it, it captured my attention. And just with, with the, the island itself and the mystery that they, that they brought into it, it's J.J. Abrams directed it. Absolutely love J.J. Abrams. He loves Star Trek. <laughs> that alone just made me love J.J. Abrams. But so uh, he, did a, he did a great job. And I think that for the first three seasons, it was, it really, it was a mystery. It, we didn't know what was happening. The first three seasons was, we were all confused throughout the entire thing. We had no idea what was going on. But for some reason, we were all still watching. And it was absolutely incredible. So it was, it was just a, it was a really cool, it was a really cool show. And I, and I, and I was a late bloomer. I started watching it way after it was done. Well, I guess that helps out because, you know, you were able to actually just kind of binge it. Oh yeah. I and binged then, it hard. You didn't have to like sit there through the first season and be like, what the hell <laughs> yeah, is exactly. happening here? And then, so you at least were able to like sit through and, and get to that, that meat of it and get that that gratification for figuring yeah, out what's going on. Right away, right away. Yeah, exactly. I was able to, oh, there's a new mystery? Like, okay, next episode, let's find out what's going on with that. Yeah, right away. So I, I just really enjoyed it and it really pulled you in and I was, uh, it was a, it was a good movie. I really, I mean, good TV show. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. So just, I would definitely recommend it. I would definitely recommend it to anybody who, who likes that. It's kind of, it's kind of got a sci-fi feel to it. But it's but it's just this huge adventure mystery on this island. Who who done what kind of a feel? Who's in charge? We don't know. Let's put him in charge. Who put you in charge? This island ain't big enough for the both of us, kind of a thing. <laughs> so I, I really I really enjoy it and I recommend it to anybody. So definitely. So um that's pretty much all I got on that. I don't really have anything crazy. I mean, uh, other than going into like plot details and stuff, which we probably don't want to do, but Yeah, exactly. But, I don't, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I always love when you find a TV show that just draws you in, yep. and and then, but and it's always sad though when when this comes to an end or the or it starts letting you down. Yep, like, <laughs> definitely. Like, no, I get like, that. I mean, yep. and that's how I felt about Walking Dead oh. because <laughs> I watched up until oh man, oh I, I watched like right past or right when they all got separated and then. Carol killed the little girl and oh whatnot. man and, 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 oh spoiler and, alert and, and, and that's where I watched and after that I was like man this freaking sucks and I was just like it just, oh, it just and like everybody like hyping it up and they still try to hype it up but I cannot get into it anymore uh, I like, know even, I even know. with Glenn getting brain splattered all over the place Wait, like what. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you haven't been on the internet, like, this is why we have the spoiler alert thing. But um, yeah, no, 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 I have no. to add something for Walking Dead there because there's probably somebody who's like, "What? Glenn's <laughs> my favorite character." Like, and I think he was most people's favorite character. Yeah, and that was kind of part of it of like why I never got back into it because then I heard that Glenn was going to die, and I was like, <laughs> "Well, now I don't care. I don't even care Glenn's anymore." <laughs> so him, him, and uh, what's her face that he started, you know. He married or had a baby with what? 
That one Maggie, check. Maggie. Maggie, there you go. That was, yeah, that one yeah, check. I, and, yeah, it was kind of one of those that just started letting me down. I was just like, I'm so bored watching this show. Yeah, but, no, uh, I totally I totally understand that without a doubt. Um, but I feel like I feel like Lost, it holds you in there for the first three seasons. It really does, and even after that, I know a lot of people put a lot of smack on the last three, and even I'm not, I'm not one to not put smack on it, but I, I feel that it, it did good enough that I'm that I definitely finished it without doubt for sure. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, true, true fans definitely they can criticize it because they understand what's what's wrong. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, back to our conversation from last episode talking about Power Rangers. I mean, I I can definitely criticize many points of Power Rangers history. And really over the last 10 years, there hasn't been a whole lot of bright spots in the series. And, uh, but uh, yeah, true fans definitely can throw, can throw criticism at their shows. But the fact that they like them still is, you know, it, it is what makes them a fan. So obviously they can stick with like your thick and thin. So no, nah, no, nah, definitely. But, All right. So I think we've got lots covered. We've got God of War covered. All right, so um, we're going to move on to my favorite segment of the of the podcast that I always love, um, and it's called Marvel, 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 Pixar. <laughs> Is it a sequel? Because I, I remember right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's no, no, it was the same name. You, no, you must have missed it. <laughs> no, I, think, I think I think you're you're pulling my leg. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. I don't know what you're talking. So this week, um, we're we're going to talk about. The whole Fox Marvel. We're very excited about this. Fox and Marvel come, coming together as one big happy family in the MCU. But what we should really be excited for is that Deadpool is now the newest Disney princess. Yes. Well, so, of course. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what else you could have wanted out there. I mean, the X-Men. We don't need We don't need that. We don't, we don't need the Fantastic Four. We just want Deadpool. That, that's realistically that's what most okay. people want. <laughs> okay, so so I know Deadpool. That's that's the number one. Okay, everyone is excited about Deadpool coming into the MCU. Who knows? In the comic books, he has taken out um, Thanos. So here's the really big thing. I don't know if people, anybody has read the. I'm sure a lot of you have read the comic books, but in the comic books of Infinity War, um, this is not going to happen in the movie. So I can tell you right away, they pulled a completely different. Uh, storyline than what I'm about to say. Uh, but for the comic books, at least, spoiler alert. Um, so in Infinity War, the basis of the whole Infinity War and Thanos trying to get the gauntlet is because he is having a love affair with death. So he's having a love affair with death, and he says, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to kill half the universe for you, death. And in this in this comic book, that death is personified in the MCU. Death is personified by a woman. Mm-hmm. So, so death is also kind of having this thing throughout the comic books with Deadpool. Mm-hmm. So Deadpool and Han- and Thanos have this constant battle back and forth between the two of them over the the love of death. And so in the comic books, Deadpool has killed Thanos at one point in time. It has happened, and he's and Deadpool is one of the few people that has actually wielded the Infinity Gauntlet. So this, so we know that it could have been possible. A little too late, though. Unfortunately, we I really wish that it could have been possible, but um, and it would have been a great touch to the series to say, "Oh, Deadpool's here! Great!" 
<laughs> now, now we got this all figured out. But, uh, but so the a couple of other things that we're excited about with the whole merger is um, there's the possibility of the whole X Men. Yeah. So right now we have all of X Men, and we have their we have their current story where they go back in time, and now we're on this new timeline. I'm so confused uh, with the X Men story. <laughs> I'll still watch the movies because I love X-Men in, in general. And plus, plus the actress playing Jean Grey now is Sansa Stark from Game of Thrones. Well, of so course. So that's, that's a big plus. And Hugh Jackman's all over treasure. So I think the real question is, if they reboot X-Men, are they going to keep Hugh Jackman as Wolverine? But, well, I, I hope so. I hope so, too, I don't know I who sure else could so. play him. I don't. No one could. Who else could do it? No one could do it without a doubt. No one but Hugh Jackman. He's gonna be walking in there and be like, "All right, guys, this is the greatest show right here. We're gonna do this." <laughs> Little Hugh Jackman call out. Um, so, but so there's a lot of stuff going around, and then there's I don't know if you know this, but um, the director of the X Men movies, um, Brian Singer had this huge sexual assault file mm-hmm. going on. I did hear a little bit about that. Yeah, so so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, talk around Disney. We're just going to ignore this. Like it never happened. And we're just going to start over from scratch. And 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 a lot of people are thinking that with the way that it's going right now and like the Dark Phoenix movie coming up and also the um there's another movie coming out the oh man, which one was it? There's the Dark Phoenix. Oh, the new Mutants movie coming out later mm. this year. It's scheduled for later this year. So, but there's there's a lot of people saying that Fox is just running it to the ground, draining as much money as they possibly can to get out of it before it's gone. So, it's so there that there's that possibility that they're just it doesn't even matter anymore. It probably doesn't. I mean, we, we know Disney likes to take kind of its own thing. I mean, they did the same thing with Spider Man when they got it from Sony. So, <laughs> I mean, because what. In oh man, what ten years we had three different Spider-Man oh, yeah. like timeline or like reboots. Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield. We had Tobey Maguire, Tobey Maguire, yeah, then Andrew Garfield, and now and I got Tom Holland. Yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and if that wasn't confusing enough, especially considering they'd done Amazing Spider-Man one and two with Andrew Garfield, and then what a year or two later is when Disney was able to acquire. Yeah. It. And, and then it didn't and matter it, anymore. And then it didn't matter anymore because now, now we've got Tom Holland. <laughs> I am still a little sad they didn't keep Andrew Garfield because I really liked Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker, but I but I do love Tom. I, he is very good. I have a confession. I never saw the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. What? I oh, never saw man, the Amazing Spider-Man. They were really good. I haven't seen them. I, I hear good things. They're very good. Yes. I'm sure. I believe some people, you. Some people don't like certain parts <laughs> of it, and, and I can understand why, but I, I really enjoyed Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. He was... Uh, very good for the um, you know the very brilliant student high school student I've, Peter Parker. I've seen probably like five minutes. I've watched. Um, okay, now this will be a spoiler for one of the Amazing Spider-Mans. I don't even know which one, but he was fighting some electric guy. Oh, Electro, yeah, Electro. Okay, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Oh, that's right. Okay, um, and all I saw was the the most hideous Green Goblin I've ever seen in a movie ever. That's fair. That Green Goblin was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Well, did you see his face? Yeah, but it, it was, was fucked it was, up. It was like it was like what the after credit scene of that of that second movie. And it, I didn't even know. So, yeah, no, it wasn't even part of it. Like I'm pretty sure they they were setting up for a uh, Sinister Six movie. Oh, okay, gotcha. And, and then obviously before the before Disney bought it out. So okay. So and then that was just scrapped. 
But the Sinister, Sinister Six would be a great, com- great addition. Oh yeah, no, it would be fantastic. I mean, the the new game on PlayStation Four was fantastic, and that's what that's the storyline it follows. Was Sinister Six? It yeah, was, yeah, it was awesome. So uh, another big thing that everyone's talking about the merger is the 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 ability for the MCU to bring in so many new amazing villains. They're they're so limited. Well, I guess they're not so limited, but. But they are limited as their to their villains that they currently have in the MCU, um, and they're they're eventually going to run it dry. But now that they have Fox, they have a lot more opportunity for some really neat villains like uh, Galactus and and, and Striker and Doctor Doom. And yeah, then, my, my thought was with this merger, if the next big phase for Marvel, since you know, obviously Thanos is the big bad for this whole first arc since Phase One, yeah, and. So I'm wondering if they're going to pretty much do the same thing with Galactus, because obviously there's got to be a, uh, there's got to be a bigger threat than Thanos. The, the, well, I mean, Thanos or at least something on par with him. It's got to be bigger threat than like the Mandarin from yeah. Iron Man. Three. Like, <laughs> like, like, like I mean, like that's that's one villain for one hero. Yeah. you don't need a team to take out. The no, you don't. You don't, especially that. But especially that. But, uh, <laughs> you only need some some ecstasy and a couple beers to take it. Oh, yeah, Trevor was great though. <laughs> Trevor like, he, was wonderful. He was the best part of that movie. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I mean, so obviously there's got to be an overarching villain yeah. somehow, something, and to bring them all together to you know because we're gonna have so many heroes at this point, <laughs> like you know especially now that we've got Fox coming in because now we'll have access to the Fantastic Four and. I'm curious to see if they decide to do a whole reboot of that because obviously they haven't done well. Yeah, no, but, there's uh, there's definitely talk about it. Everyone's talk excited about that mm-hmm. right there. So that's that's definitely a really big thing. And and the yeah, the Fantastic Four and redoing X Men and just we don't know, we don't know. I think that they're there's gonna there's a lot of speculation here. It's yeah, all up in the air. All up in the air. I'm just excited for them to be able to bring in some new villains. That's. That's my big thing is for them to have the possibility, the option to be able to do that. So, on a side note, with this uh, with this merger, you know who's also a Disney princess? Who's a Disney princess? The Xenomorph. (laughs) (laughs) So you know. Oh goodness! Everybody's favorite chest bursting alien. Oh goodness! Is uh, is yeah, I remember. I remember here. Yeah, that's right. Oh my goodness! Alien. Goodness gracious. I did see a really funny. Uh, someone had uh, taken that like the image from the Lion King of Rafiki holding up Simba <laughs> to the Xenomorph holding up the egg. Oh my god! <laughs> the face hugger comes out of. I love that. I was like, that's so good. I was like, yep, this is fantastic. This is the world we live in now. So, all right, so I'll let you talk about the Toy Story because I know you're super excited about the Toy Story trailer. I he's, am. Yes. For those of you who don't know. Excited. In the last couple of days, a new Toy Story 4 trailer sh- has, has popped up, and you know, definitely seems like a very good trailer, really well put together. I'm even more excited for that movie than I thought I was going to be, because um, <laughs> it, it's so weird. We have, most Disney movies have a couple of sequels, at least, but how many of those sequels are good? Yeah. And yet here we are with Toy Story, who's had two sequels to this point, and both have been better than the original. I'm not going to deny some tears came with Toy Story 3. Oh, yeah. I think, I, think I think everybody got tears with Toy Story 3. And it's because it was such a good movie. And so, I and obviously, that puts the pressure on for Toy Story 4. It really does. Uh, I mean, because, I mean, it obviously, I mean, if it's going to theaters, it has to stand toe to toe with, you know, things like Frozen 
and other big Double name Halo. Frozen Two. Goodness, yeah, it's, it's got to stand toe to toe with all those big hitters, and because it, it, it can it cannot you know be on the same level as Cinderella Three. Like, so you know <laughs> yeah i was straight up i was going through um on demand the other day and um i was very very shocked at the number of cinderella's movies that exist oh i know right? <laughs> it's it's like we, it's like, it's like we it's like we took a nap and then we woke up and there were eight sequels to, to cinderella and you're like what, what? where I, did I, they all and come I from came across like a, a video that was talking about disney sequels the ones that were actually good, and I think of all the sequels that Cinderella has, there's only one that's good. I think it's the third one. I think I think that's what is considered to be the best of the sequels. Wow. And I don't know if that's saying much, but I mean, you know, the best thing out of a pile of crap is still crap. But <laughs> so, but obviously Disney has not had good luck with sequels. Some some are better than others, but none yeah. of them tend to be as good as the original. But Toy Story flips that on its head because literally two and three are better than the first one. <laughs> At least in my opinion. I love them all. I, I love, them, love all. them all. They're all they're all very good movies. All so wonderful. I'm gonna have to we're gonna have to like sit down and watch all the Toy Story movies before the fourth one comes out because it's been so long. <laughs> it has been. But um, we can do it. I believe but it no, it, it, <laughs> the, the, it looks good. It looks there's some interesting things kind of popped up and you know, uh, I think one of my favorite theories that I've seen so far has been that Bo Peep is actually the villain. I'm going to credit the Carlin brothers with that one. Uh, yeah. and the, super Carlin yeah, brothers. Yeah, the, the super Carlin brothers. Um, <laughs> if you haven't watched their video, I would su- highly suggest watching their, their most recent episode of uh, the Bo- Is Bo Peep the Villain that Ben did. And uh, But no, I, I was listening to that video this morning, actually, and I was like, you know, this is kind of exactly how I felt when I, when I watched the trailer, yeah. is I was like, Bo Peep is fishy. Yeah, she like, really is. Like, but Disney has, I mean, for their video, and if, spoiler alert for their video, so if you haven't listened to their video and you want to listen to Ben. We're not spoiling the movie, but we're, we're spoiling the spoil, video. We're going to spoil the Carlin Brothers Carlin video. movie. <laughs> but uh, Toy Story has had a uh, history of flipping our expectations. Like in Toy Story uh, 2, we're well, kind of led to believe that Al is the villain, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, the greedy, you know, money-grubbing human. Out, you know, out to sell these toys, but then it turns out to be the prospect is the villain. And at yeah. first, he is introduced to us as a wise old man character. You know, trying you telling Woody, it's like, you know, just wisdom. <laughs> yeah. So, and and that's and that's how and that's how we feel. And until that reveal, when he steps out of his box and is like, "No, you're coming with us because I don't want to, you know, be in this, you know, storage anymore," type thing. But um, and then on Toy Story three, we were introduced to Lotso the same way as like a loving, loving bear. Yeah, and then he's a dictator. Yeah, a fascist dictator in a daycare. And and so I'm kind of thinking we might have the same thing as they've introduced us in the trailer to Gabby Gabby, who seems to be like a mob boss. <laughs> and then <laughs> with Bo all those Peep, marionettes, Bo Peep yeah. is the ro- avenging Robin Hood. Yeah, character and we'll see so, about that. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see about. Obviously, so that that was kind of the the gist of their video. So I would definitely suggest watching it if you haven't. It was very good, very good theory. So shout out to Super Carlin Brothers and uh, and Ben for doing that. Well, thank you, uh, Eric, for joining me for Marvel, 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 Marvel. Marvel. Thanks. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this is uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, and uh, we'll be back here shortly with the rest of our episode. Catch you on the flip side.
Hey guys, welcome back. So we are we're gonna, we're going to start on uh, Eric. You have a uh, another beautiful adventure. What do you got for us? I do, and uh, this definitely kind of ties into my first pick of God of War as far as mythology is concerned. Um, this is probably one of my favorite book series of all time. Uh, I even have a tattoo <laughs> from this <laughs> that, that, that throws back to this series, and uh, so. But this is the uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians series by Rick Riordan. Uh, the first book, The Lightning Thief, was released in June of two thousand. And uh, it is still going. This world is still being built. Really? Wow. Yes. I didn't yes. know that. It is, um, the, uh, the next book in this continuity is set to release sometime in the next few months. Uh, I can check on that for us. But uh, uh, it's called The Burning Maze. Uh, and it's the, I believe it's going to be the fourth and final book of the Trials of Apollo series. But, uh, but no, um, Charles, do you know much about Percy Jackson? Okay. Out, outside of the two very terrible movies. No, no, I know, okay. I know what my little sister tells me about. Shout out to my little sister, Caroline. <laughs> That's all I know. That's everything I know, <laughs> which isn't much. So, uh, Burning Maze, it's supposed to come out May first. May first, right? Okay, I have to set my calendar for that. Yeah, so, set your calendar. So, uh, Get ready. Do the uh, there's definitely some some questions <laughs> I want answered, and I want to know where things are going. But, um, but no, um, it's a fantastic series. Uh, for those who don't know. Uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians is set in modern times in modern America. Uh, the Greek gods have been, their, the center of power has changed and they, they now reside in America. So they've adopted you know, American customs and different things like that. Well, they've also, you know, been having children with American people. So, and so their children or demigods uh, travel to, they, they find their way, eventually most make their way to Camp Half-Blood, which is like a summer camp for hero training. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> what I love about this series is it's just one big adventure. And that kind of ties, uh, definitely ties into our, uh, our theme here very well. <laughs> definitely. Um, you know, with quests, uh, lots of throwbacks to Greek mythology, right? Well, like things like uh, the Garden of the Hesperides, stealing the golden apples. That was one of the 12 labors of Hercules. And uh, I remember something about, um, about uh, stone statues and this lady wearing this weird headdress, Medusa, and they were walking around and they were using a shield or something like that to see the reflection so they didn't have to look <laughs> yes, at it. Yes, that is, that is from the first book. That's uh, from the movie, actually. I was is, about... <laughs> well, the scene is from the book originally, but they, they, it was actually one of the parts that the movie actually got relatively right. Oh, good. I said something good. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> See, at that point in time, I was still hopeful for the movie. Whenever I was, when I saw it in theaters, and I was like, "Okay, okay, we're going." And then, and then from there, it just so the first one's okay. No, it's it was not. Okay. No, the first one's not okay. It started half decent, ended terrible. Okay, so gotcha. But, uh, but we're not gonna, we're not here to talk about the movie because I hate the movie and it you know gives me a migraine. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and even, and even Rick Riordan hates the movie. Oh goodness, he hates both the movies, and he wants. An actual like either a series, a TV series, or new a reboot to happen. But and he's been very vocal about that. On oh wow. Uh, but definitely, you know this 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 whole story harkens back to Greek mythology in itself with quests and different things. You know, lots of references. You know, the Golden Fleece, the Garden of the Hesperides, and the Golden Apple of Immortality. Uh, Those are a lot of big words. Yes, <laughs> yes they are. But uh, what I think I like about this more is just how uh, Reardon writes the world. And how things interact 
you know the the, the fantastical mythological meets the reality of everyday life as an American. Yeah. And you know the fact that Olympus resides above the Empire State Building in New York. That is or, so neat. I always or, thought that or, was the coolest thing. Or that Mount Othrys, which was the uh, stronghold of the Titan in Greek mythology, resides on Mount Tamalpais in, in San Francisco. Oh, that's neat. Because you know, if I remember correctly, at least from the movie, the entrance to Hades was Hollywood. Yes, uh, and that is that is in the books as well. It does, the entrance to the underworld lies in Los Angeles. So in Greek mythology, it is in the West. It is in the West, but also where the Titans were held was was a part of Hades. Yeah, it's Tar- Tartarus. Is it is the uh, the pit? Like essentially, it is sub Hades. Gotcha. Okay, it, it resides below, like, so, even deeper. It so is, it sub is... Los Angeles at San Francisco. Yes, yes. <laughs> but um, it uh, they definitely he definitely takes these things and he interacts that world with these things and you know some and obviously you know there's give and take but there's but Greek mythology is convoluted in itself in itself Very, yes um, I mean, there's, there, there's definitely different origin stories for different gods and, and goddesses and different you know different things so obviously it contradicts itself and it, <laughs> and it depends on telling the story whether it's Herodotus or uh, Homer or whoever or Rosophiles or Procrucio <laughs> yes yes um, but Reardon even goes the extra mile. Is obviously he wrote Percy Jackson Olympians, which is a five book series, and that follows Percy Jackson, obviously son of Poseidon, and he's dealing with the great prophecy that was made back in the 1940s during World War. And there's a lot of and there's a lot of things. And Percy himself is actually a contradiction because the gods Poseidon, Zeus, and Hades made a pact that they were not going to have any more kids because of this prophecy. Because the prophecy said that the next child of the three eldest brothers to reach sixteen was going to make a choice that was either going to destroy Olympus or save it. So Poseidon's like, "I'm going to get laid real quick, and then we're good." Well, <laughs> technically, Zeus, Zeus did it first. So wait, what? Yeah, Zeus broke the broke. Obviously, Zeus Thundercock broke broke the <laughs> Thundercock. So uh, sounds and, about right. And and that's obviously kind of a subplot in there, and ties back to later. But uh, yeah, then obviously Percy was born. And you know different things, and he's dealing with this prophecy, and as the next potentially the next one to turn sixteen is going to, you know, destroy or save Olympus. So yeah. the the gods obviously have lots of arguments on whether or not they want to destroy him. So, but he's so badass. <laughs> oh yes, he is. Of course, he's very badass. But but uh, so obviously, you know, it kind of goes through the the rise of the Titans or the re-rise of the Titans. They're rising again, Kronos is trying to come back and take over Olympus. And so that's this kind of the story line of that first series. Uh Kronos. Yes. He, Worst father ever. He ate all of his children. Yes he did. Except for Zeus. Zeus and then Zeus came back. Well he thought he he thought he ate Zeus. But he ate a rock. He ate a rock. So yes. and then and then Zeus tricked him by feeding him mustard and yeah, something, something caused and him to throw, throw up. And, yeah. and vom- re-vomited all of his children. Uh, for shame, Krennus. For shame. For shame. But, you, uh, didn't, you didn't use enough ketchup with your with your children. <laughs> and you know, you want to know something kind of funny as far as Greek mythology is concerned? Just a tidbit. Okay. Zeus is technically the youngest of the Olympians. Really? Yes. Interesting. Even though he's technically considered the eldest brother. Te- technically, technically, Zeus is the youngest. Hades is the second youngest, and Poseidon is the third year. Go Poseidon! 
and you know, but but because older brother, but perhaps? they consider them the oldest because the order that they were vomited out in was, <laughs> was Hades, Poseidon, and then the rest of them. But Zeus is already out. But Zeus is already out. So Zeus is technically the oldest, even though they all grew up undigested in Kronos's belly. So yeah, I always thought that was the coolest part of of I'm eating babies, but now I'm throwing up fully evolved, fully grown children deities. So so that then turned around and. Me did, did the rock grow up too? No, I think that was is, just a rock. Isn't that isn't that how you get that that rock warrior from Ragnarok? <laughs> Gr- wait, what was his uh, name? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to go with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, there but, you go. Oh, I should have gotten that I think one. That oh, been Dwayne the Rock but, uh, Johnson. <laughs> but uh, no, no, it, it's fantastic. And then obviously he went on to write the Heroes of Olympus series, which is a continuation. That picks up just a few months after the conclusion of. Uh, the last Percy Jackson Olympians book. Okay. So, uh, and that one delves into the fact that the Greek gods are also the Roman gods. They have different personalities. Yeah. And and what? But uh, and so then it you know, introduces a few new characters, some returning characters, and it's the second chapter after because in Greek mythology, after the Titans were defeated, Gia birthed a new race of of giants with Tartarus. Okay. The god of the pit. And they were tasked to destroy the gods. And so that's what this story revolves around, and that both sides of, of uh, both sides of demigods need to come together, and they've been kept apart because they kill each other every time they... Uh, <laughs> Which is they always exciting. Other. Yes, because Greece, <laughs> Greece and Rome had a huge rivalry, obviously. Gotcha. And, uh, and one thing that's fun is uh, kind of tying back to the fact that the way he writes these things and how it interacts with American society is that the Civil War was caused because of conflict between the Greek demigods and the Roman demigods. That's and really the, And then the Civil War mirrored their conflict. Uh, their conflict. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of one thing I really love about his writing. Uh, but Reardon, he didn't just do Greek and Roman, because after, after the Roman stuff, after the uh, Heroes of Olympus, he wrote The Trials of Apollo, which picks up right after that, where Apollo is being punished for things that happened in the Heroes of Olympus series. Gotcha. And he's been thrown to Earth as a human, and has and you know these uh, ancient Roman emperors are still alive, like Caligula and wow. Nero, and some of the, the big bads of Roman history. I love Nero. He has a really cool submarine. Mm-hmm. He does. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, so that's kind of what that is. But he's also done an Egyptian mythology series and a Norse mythology series. That's cool. And. Uh, those are both very good. The King Chronicles for the Egyptian and Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard. And one thing I love about about Rick Reardon is that all of those series are interconnected in the same universe. That's really neat. Because, uh, and he's done some crossover like short stories with the King Chronicles with Carter and Sadie from the King Chronicles and Percy and Annabeth from Percy Jackson. Hmm. And uh, I haven't, I need to read those again. It's been a while. But uh, they're good little short stories. And then, uh, and the only reason, like, if you wouldn't really catch it most, until you've probably read it the second time, which I know I did, is in the third uh, and final book of the King Chronicles series, there's just one little tidbit about two characters that go to school with Sadie. And if you've read the first Heroes of Olympus book, you would, might catch on that they're the uh, one, the evil bitch from the Aphrodite cabin that Piper deals with, and then the one girl who actually helped Piper in the Aphrodite. Gotcha. So that go to Camp Athens, and they are at the same <laughs> school. So that's the, what ties that's it together. That's really cool how it yeah. all links together and, like and that. little tidbits. And then uh, in Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard, Magnus 
is a son of Frey, god of god of springtime and summer. Freya. And uh, uh, Annabeth, daughter of, Af- of Athena from Percy Jackson, is his cousin. Oh, that's really cool. Yep. And Percy actually makes an appearance in the third book of Oh, that's really neat. Yep. It all just links together. No, I, I love it. And uh, Rick, Rick Riordan actually started a uh, an imprint to where it's called Rick Riordan Presents, and uh, <laughs> where uh, he invites other authors who maybe are not as well known, and you know they kind of write books in the same vein as these as his story, hmm. and they uh, he kind of adds his name on it and it helps promote their book. That's really cool. And I started reading some of those, and those are really good. Uh, one is Aru Shaw and the end of time uh which is indian mythology and she is a reincarnated uh reincarnation of one of the, the pandava brothers indian or indian indian is in you know <laughs> asian <Indian>. okay <laughs> so like um hindu hindu gotcha okay gotcha okay hindu um mythology you know, gotcha the pandava okay. brothers and that and that mythology gotcha there's, okay there's also an, a mayan aztec in the book that was recent i haven't read that one yet it's on my list because i just i bought it there's also a Korean space opera. And that sounds amazing. <laughs> there's there's, a, lot, there's, there's a lot of very cool ones. So check out some of those books uh, from Rick Riordan Presents and support other authors if you've read Rick Riordan's books but haven't read those yet. So, well, that's, that's kind of all I have. I, I could keep talking about Percy Jackson for forever. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, but I think our next topic here is uh, we're going to move on to a new segment for um, kind of keep an eye on for new cool bits of technology. As uh, I know, we know a lot of you enjoy your technology as as do we. Yeah. I love I love new gadgets. I mean, yeah, I get new things all the time. <laughs> I mean, I just bought a pressure cooker, and I've been, <laughs> been playing with that, and that's a lot of fun. It makes delicious things. So yeah, uh, but uh, so we're gonna move on to a tech segment. And uh, for those of you who have been you know hiding under a rock for the last week, probably know that uh, Google held its annual Google Development Conference. GDC. Yes, GDC, GDC 2019. And at this development conference, you know, normally these things are just, you know, new software, new Android. Um, Google Plus. Google, <laughs> Google Plus. Actually, did you, I, did you get the email that your Google Plus was going to be deleted? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. I did. I, I got so up. sad. All four of my friends aren't going to be able to get a hold yeah, of me anymore. so sad. My high school engineering teacher. Uh, <laughs> Oh man! Oh, yeah, I, I was I was really amused by that. I was like, I probably had one friend on there and like maybe a picture. And I don't even remember the password anymore. So. I know. It's just your email. It's just your Gmail. Yeah. I guess. I guess. I guess. I just never paid attention to it after because yeah, it doesn't. You just died, click the button that says <laughs> Google Plus. I don't even think is it still here. It is still here. It's still there. They have it. I have it. They haven't well, open, open, open up that Google Plus. I am curious. Okay. Here we go. We're gonna. We're gonna do it, but anyway, while Charles is, <laughs> while Charles is reminiscing, <laughs> it's a bright banner. Google Plus account is going away April second. So April second, we're all gonna hold a funeral, a memorial you know, service. As successful as Google is, it's really surprising they weren't able to, because uh, you know they probably wouldn't have half the security issues that Facebook has, and yet people flock to Facebook still. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Okay, so so you got to deal with Google being a monopoly of everything, which leads us directly in to our next our topic. That's for today. very true. So, for those of you who haven't heard about the news for uh, the Google Development Conference, uh, they announced that they are jumping into the gaming arena to join you know heavyweights such as Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are going kind of in their own. Googleish direction. I would like to say and Steam. Oh, yep, Steam and the Epic Store. Those, and the Epic those Store have been and... big ones. 
But uh, yeah, they were gonna fight those guys but, too. Uh, and if they pull it off, this could they they could they could do it. This it's gonna it's gonna be dependent. But okay, for the, but let's, what, let's, let's let's say what it is. What is Go- Stadia? Google has announced Google Stadia. It is their new gaming platform. Uh, it is going to be a way to stream games. Google Stadia does not require the purchase of any peripheral box like a typical like a typical console like your Xbox or your PlayStation. It does everything through the Google's own data centers. Yes. So Google has in their system part of their facilities a m- massive, massive. Uh, what did you say? Twenty. Uh, for teraflops? No, it, it was. It's even more than that. They have <laughs> what, what they have developed for Stadia is essentially their own graphics processing data center. Yeah. These data centers are, are these individual Stadia blades. I think is what they call them. Run on ten for their GPUs run at ten point. Oh, I wrote it down here. Ten point seven teraflops. But and just just for those of you who don't know what that means, the Xbox One runs at six teraflops, and the PlayStation Four Pro runs at four point two. So, so both combined so together, it, these individual Stadia blades is what they I think what I believe what they what they're being called are faster than both your Xbox One X and your PlayStation Four Pro combined. Okay, so data centers, okay, massive processing systems, massive GPUs in their in their data centers. So essentially, what you do is that when you go on YouTube and you're walking watching someone stream. Well, I, I think that's kind of that's part of a, a later thing because this like we're we're still kind of in the basics of it here. Okay. okay. But essentially, what Stadia is going to be able to do, you will be able to stream directly from Google's data center using yes. using these immensely powerful things that work in tandem with each other. You won't just be logging into a single blade somewhere. You will yeah. be pinging off of multiple of these. Their entire so, system. Their entire system. Uh, but this will be able to deliver up to what will they announce. Eventually, it'll be up to 8K resolution being able to be streamed. Yeah, they saw that. Too. <laughs> Which is insane. Uh, 4K but, HDR at 60 uh, FPS. Right. Yeah. But they were showing off in their thing the ability to uh, play this, to be able to play these on any system. You don't need any, something. You don't need to go out and buy a $2,000 gaming lap to play this. All you need is a Chromecast. Yeah, so essentially what it is is that instead of playing a game on your PlayStation 4, and your PlayStation 4 has the disc in it, and it is processing the disc, and it is just in the PlayStation 4 is then sending the signal to your TV. Well, all your instead of that, what it is going to be is that your Chromecast or your PlayStation or something like that is is you're essentially watching YouTube and you're watching a video, but your controller, your controlling the, that video, the the special Google Stadia controller That's- connects through your Wi-Fi to the data center and you're controlling the game that is then being played there and then your Chromecast is just showing you a video. But you are controlling that video in real time but you're just watching a video. That's it. Yes. And what they also announced is that if you're if you're on a computer or you're like if you're using like your computer, right? Yep. You don't even need their new controller, their Stadia controller that they're going to be selling. All you need is one of your current Bluetooth or USB controllers that you use every day for PC gaming, and you'll use that. Obviously, yep. the latency is going to be a different thing because Google, because it doesn't connect directly to the data center like Google Stadia's controller. The Stadia controller can be allows you to use your like your phone, yeah, so or, the, or or your Chromecast, and it will connect directly to that data center, lowering your latency 
and helping with better responses. Yeah, so the controller itself links directly through your Wi-Fi to the data center. There's no through anything. It is directly to data, data center. And it is, it is right away, and then it streams you that video. And so you can be on your computer or just playing a game like normal, and then you can say, oh, well, I got my Stadia controller. I want to switch that. I'm playing it with my Stadia controller because the Stadia controller is linked to the Wi-Fi, which is then linked to their data center, which then allows you to play it on your computer. And then you can say, hey, I want to play it on my PlayStation 4. Well, instead of dealing with changing where the game itself is being processed, it just sends the video to a different feed. Yeah, it's basically just you're connecting to your cloud file via different devices. Like exactly. Google, like, like Google Drive. Yep, exactly. So, so that's that's huge. Obviously, there's some questions, and they haven't released every answer that we want yet. And they obviously showed it off with the best possible situation they could master. Yeah. At, at, at G. But so far, if they pull it off, this could be huge. Uh, but there's some other cool things kind of with this. Uh, so integration with YouTube, as we kind of started on earlier. Yeah. With YouTube, they've decided they have a couple things on it. One, like if you're watching a trailer for, like they showed it off with it, you're watching a trailer for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And at the end of that video, it'll prompt you with the click here to play. And you could click there, and then it just loads up the game. No installing, no... Because, because it's already installed in their data center. Yep. They, so you're just starting it up. You're just you're just streaming it like you were starting a new episode of you know Stranger Things on Netflix. Yep. So so it so that's pretty sweet. <laughs> then they've also they're also wanting to get YouTube creators involved more. Yeah. Uh, they're setting up this opportunity for YouTube creators to host a lobby where if somebody's playing you know like a team game such as you know in, they showed it up with NBA 2K, you can. S- click to be entered into that lobby, and as soon as you know there's no one in that lobby, you could jump in and you can play with your favorite creator. You can play with Markiplier. You can play with PewDiePie. You can play with Jacksepticeye. Like, your favorite creators can now play with you, and it's a lot easier to manage. And instead of it being hosted by somebody's PlayStation, instead of it you're trying to connect to their 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 user account or something like that, you're again, you're linking directly with the Stadia data center and youtube is taking most of that power yeah and that's ridiculous yeah and they also they also mentioned that it's you'll be able to save all of your game stuff directly to the data center that processes it straight to you so it'll save all of your videos so So that'll make it even easier to stream so there's a lot of questions that are still like eric said we're still waiting for answers the big uh, one of the big questions is is this a subscription is are you paying ten dollars a month to play all the games and that's it or maybe even like $30 a month to just to be able to play any game you want at any time. Realistically, what would you pay for this subscription? Okay. Well, it depends. Again, am I am I paying a monthly service in order to Okay, let's let's say let's say they probably I would imagine they'll have this in tiers. Okay. Either either that or there'll be a large library of games and then it works like Audible. Yeah. So maybe you'll pay $30 a month and you'll get a credit for a new game on their list. Okay. And then but you'll have access to all these other older games that they just brought to the platform. And so in order to be able to play the new God of War, I need to pay so they, another 60 bucks. Or? Well, I'm saying, like, so with Audible, for what you have to do is you pay 30 bucks a month, and they give you, or however much, it, I forget how much Audible is, I think it's like 15 Okay. Something like that. Yeah. But you pay that, and they give you a credit. Okay. And that you redeem that for a book. And you can keep that book for however long as you want, and then if but for during a certain time frame, if you're like, oh, I don't really like that book, this isn't for me, you could return it and exchange it. 
obviously there's a time limit there because people you can easily use that. Yeah. But so what my thought process is is this might be how it needs to work is there's a whole library of games that you can just play. So things like maybe Halo Two, maybe okay. God of War One, Two, and Three. Okay. That have been out for a long time. Yep. You know they're cheap. Yep. Physical copies. But you're paying thirty bucks a month and you get all access to those. But then for everything that's been released in the last twelve months, each month you get a credit. And then you get to choose any game that you want from their list for every new release. Once a month. Once a month. And you get to keep that forever or you get to yes, keep you it? get to keep that forever okay. unless you decide like within say sixty days you don't you decide like it. you don't like it. You can exchange it and get something. Oh, I think it has to be a lot less than sixty days because I can beat a game in sixty days. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's two weeks. Maybe it's okay. you know. Maybe it's three weeks. Whatever it is. So, would you pay thirty to let's let's say it actually ends up being like forty five to fifty dollars a month for that? Would I pay? Would you pay that fifty dollars a month to get a new brand new game that's just come out in the last twelve months for for fifty dollars? Plus, you have access to this entire library. Would you pay fifty dollars? And obviously, you're probably going to be playing this on a Chromecast. So then you have to buy the Chromecast and the Stadia. Controller. I already own a Chromecast. So do I. Oh so no, like, I don't own a what? Uh, no, I don't own a Chromecast. I own a so like, say so you have to buy a Chromecast, which is 30, I have a, thirty bucks. I have a Chromebook. Yes, you could use that. <laughs> so I mean, but would you would you pay fifty dollars a month on top of buying? I don't know what the price of the stadium, but would you pay fifty bucks a month for that service by itself? Yeah, I think I would. See, I think I think I would. I think I too. I, think I, I, I mean, I don't have to worry about my PlayStation breaking. I don't have to worry about, and I already buy probably, I probably buy sixty dollars a month worth of video games already. So I would pay easily pay fifty bucks a month to do the same thing, and I'm still saving myself money, and I have an access to a whole bunch. Of yeah, I do like it. I like it a lot, and I wish that. But the thing about this is that we got it's going to have a lot of competition. Um, Microsoft has announced they're doing something exactly like the, this. The X Cloud. The X Cloud or whatever it is. Except except it seems like theirs is geared much more towards it involves the Xbox. But but Microsoft already has a very good knowledge of video games and how those things work and how much people are willing to pay for what and they already have and they've already got the system set up for it. That's true. And so that is true. one but, of the big Google has definitely hired a couple of big hitters from Microsoft and Sony. They have for yeah. this for this project. One of, and one of the big things is that people are saying about these new Stadia uh, mega data centers is that Google is coming out. They're they're preparing for five um, G anyways. Right now, the company Google is preparing five G to start. And so even if this doesn't work out in three years, they've already got the data centers for five G. They're good to go. So, but I just, I'm. Well, it makes me nervous. It makes this, me nervous to not have a disc in my hands. I, I can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. One thing that, though, it does excite me about it is for those of you who've read Player Ready Player One, this definitely is seems like the first step to something like the Oasis, where all of our games are one one place, one you know, our, our way we do business, one place. Yes, it seems. Monopoly. It, it is a monopoly. I, I can't. I can't. I can't knock that. But I. I don't know. I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. I mean, obviously, you know, eighteen separate companies doing. You know. You know what we have. You, you see this with the cable providers as it is. Are the big ones Comcast and Time Warner and stuff like that. And they suck at what they do. <laughs> they overcharge us, and you know, they reduce our speeds. They throttle our throttle our speeds when we try to do certain things. You know, Google might be kind of running towards the point of a monopoly but is it such a bad thing if you know it gives people what they want and you know doesn't limit us because of 
they want to like eat every dollar out of us. Yeah. So like, it, like I mean, yes, it means it seems like it's the benevolent dictator, I guess. But but and it is still a dictator when you look at it that way. But it is. <laughs> I can't. Is it going to be worth it? Is it worth the dictator? Well, my 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 biggest question, at least on Stadia, is not so much price. I I could deal I could deal with fifty fifty to sixty dollars a month. That would I I would pay that because then I wouldn't be buying things for my other systems unless yeah. you know. I mean, obviously, some of those will still have their own exclusives that I might buy here and there. But by and large, I'll probably just use Stadia. Yeah. And then, but my biggest question is: is what are the requirements for internet speed? That's that is a big thing. It's like, if you have Google Fiber or Fiber Internet, you're probably good. Oh my goodness, yeah. But you know, I have Comcast Internet, and they throttle my speeds when I try to watch football on Saturdays. Oh my goodness. So like, and I only get 75 megabytes per second on a good day, and that's what I pay for. But half the time, that's not what I get. Yeah. So am I going to be able to run it crisply? without lag at those speeds or is this something that's that's that isn't going to be beneficial to the majority until we get all get speeds that are akin to places like south korea who has the fastest internet in the world <laughs> and this it's sad because and it's all because of time warner and comcast and you know these big companies that have just shoved it to us and for some reason we still think we're great all right so there's still a lot of questions that need answering there's still a lot of information that we need to that we need to learn and they're definitely going to need to do another press release here pretty soon because there's a lot of backlash about this, not just from us. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot well, of stuff going everybody's on. Everybody's so. got questions. Everyone. I mean, they, they gave us more. We probably have more questions than answers from that from that whole yes that whole thing. I agree. But it is an exciting time. Yeah. Um. This could be big or it could just crash and burn. Um. And it may not even be Google's fault that it crashes and burns. <laughs> it might be completely Comcast and Time Warner's and yep. the, the others in that in that vein. But um, I, I think this could definitely push some of those companies to, you know, offer fiber-level internet speeds for reasonable prices because this is what people are going to want. Yeah, and people will be willing to pay for the fiber-level speeds in order to be able to play Stadia games. I'm sure that they will. So this will this will definitely be a big topic for the next couple of weeks, and we're going to, as your one-stop shop for all things nerd, we're definitely going to be doing our best to keep you up-to-date on things that are happening in the tech industry and with movies and Marvel and Pixar and all this kind of stuff. So um, quick uh, call out from a couple weeks ago, um, our last session, we mentioned, we started talking about Modern Warfare 2 and literally that day there was, (laughs) there was a leak of the uh, Modern Warfare 4, Modern Warfare 2 game cover and which was super exciting so we called it it the day that we recorded it obviously we posted it a little after that but i'm just letting you guys know now that we we found out yeah we know (laughs) so um well thanks for joining us we're really excited and thank you guys for listening and uh join us next time all right